question. <laughs> yeah, it was a little quiet. <laughs> All right. Uh, you're going to be very glad that you were here today, bottom line, okay? Uh, we, as you know, if you've been going here for any length of time at all, we are in our series Empowered. And Empowered is simply as this graphic illustrates the Holy Spirit coming down upon that he might go through you in order to do whatever he wants to do in that other person. That's what Empowered is about. I'm sorry, I'm going to... Yeah, it's totally falling off. I think it's going to be a problem. Uh, is that better? We'll, we'll hope that works. Okay, so that's what that is about, but I need to do something here. I'm going to take about oh, five, seven minutes, and I'm going to talk about last week, because I need us to just sort of hear something and get on the same page and so on. How many people were here last week? Let me just get a sense. Okay, great. Uh, and I want you to know, this is, this what I'm about to say right now is going to be posted as a separate entry for anybody who would want to hear it. Okay, so it's going to be posted from about right now. Thank you, Brad. Okay, so here's what I want to say, and I just want to make this, this really clear. First of all, thank you for being who you are. The, the, the level of maturity in this place, even amongst people who haven't known the Lord very long, the level of maturity in this body is incredible, and it is such a blessing because you're able to get it right. And here's what I mean by that. Last week, there were some incredible words of God that came forth. There were, I know the backstories of many of the people who got prophesied to. I know the timing of it. I know a lot of details about what was happening last week that, that not everybody would know. And I know how much the Lord was speaking to certain people last week. And that was phenomenal and God and to be praised and thanked and embraced. Okay, those things that are God, we want to hold on to. And so that was just phenomenal. And I love that. But I want to tell you something else that's really cool and phenomenal too. And that was, everybody understands, not everything that happened there was necessarily God. Not that Herb was trying to do anything different than God. In, in his, you know, he's doing everything he can to get it right. But do we all understand something about ourselves? Which is anytime you're doing anything for the Lord, you add something to it. We all do. God says about our works, there is filthy rags to me. And what he means by that is, is I'm trying to do a certain thing, and then people just add our stuff to it too. And, and that just happens all the time. Do we get that? And can we have grace for that? Can we all understand that this is what it is to be discerning? And this is the biggest thing that I want to say, and this is where I really want to commend you. I want to commend you for being mature and being able to, in my opinion, I've heard lots of different comments, properly discern. A lot of the issues that people brought up were issues that I had also. I don't know if I'll be talking to Herb about it or not. He's calling me and we've just been dis disconnecting and so on. So we may talk about it. We may not. I don't know. That's between the Lord and him and me and whatever, right? But the bottom line is I just want to really commend this family for doing something. And that's this. And th This is the most important thing I'll ever say about all of this stuff across the board. Thank you for never laying down your discernment. There is a thing in Christianity, there's a, there's a way of doing Christianity that says you need to lay down your discernment and just go with the flow. That is not biblical. That is not biblical. To the contrary, you, I could go through a very long theological practice on it and so on about meat sacrifice to idols and, and consciences and how we're not supposed to offend and so on. But here's the bottom line. The Lord has given you discernment. The Holy Spirit is talking to you. And when you see something that you kind of go, well, I don't know about that, it's okay. 
You know what I mean? Do, be a good Berean type Christian, which is the ones that, that were commended by God because they took the things that happened, they went home, they looked at the scriptures, they studied, they understood what of this is actually the Lord and what isn't. Because here's the point. As human beings, we tend to be one or the other. If there was a problem, then we throw out the baby with the bathwater, right? If it, was, if it was good, then we tend to say, I oh, don't worry about those other problems. God doesn't ask us to do either one of those. What he asks us to do is be discerning, to learn. Here's the cool thing about life. Here's the cool thing about good, strong, mature Christians. They learn from everything, <laughs> right? Something incredible happens, something marvelous, something that's really important to another person happens. We can rejoice and learn from it. Something happens that's a little more problematic. We might have some issues with it. We can learn from that just as much, can't we? Let me, let me show you something, how biblical this is. Do you see this little thing up here in power? Read down at the bottom here where it says, a Holy Spirit mashup of Luke and 1 Corinthians. I've explained to you before what that is, but it's been a while, so let me just explain to you why I say it that way. Luke is the example that God gives us in the scripture of Jesus doing it perfectly. You want to know how to move in the things of God in fullness, raise up disciples, be a disciple, raise up disciples, do the things of God, do the miraculous, do all these kinds of things. Look at Jesus, look at Luke. Become an expert in how Jesus did it in Luke and do the same. Right? That's, that's, what Luke, that's why we're going through Luke the way we are. But 1 Corinthians is also in the Bible. Thank God. And here's why it's in the Bible. Because at the very beginning, look at how Paul talks about these guys. He says, look, I always thank my God for you. Is he thankful for him? <laughs> right? I always thank my God for you. And for the gracious gifts he has given you. Now that you belong to Christ Jesus, through him God has enriched your church in every way. Is he commending them here or not? Is he saying good, <laughs> good stuff is happening, God stuff is happening? Right? All right? With all your eloquent words and, your, and all of your knowledge, and I used NLT here, but it's clear that he's talking about words of wisdom, words of knowledge, this kind of thing, okay? And, and more than just that, but that too. This confirms that what I told you about Christ is true. <laughs> These things that are happening confirm that God is real and that he's moving, right? But now look, now you have every spiritual gift as you eagerly wait for the return of our Lord Jesus. So you see that? That is, a, that is an excellent commendation, isn't it? Now, do you understand what he does for the rest of the book? He corrects the way that they're moving in these gifts because they're adding something to it. And he's saying, look, discern. <laughs> understand, some of the stuff that you're doing, pretty fleshly, pretty worldly, right? Not good. Get rid of it. Get the bathwater out, right? But boy, oh boy, there's a baby of God in there. And so grab a hold of that. I want, to tell you, I want to tell you why we did what we did last week. We have been talking about Empowered for two years. I wanted you to see something. And when I did that, I had very much in my mind um, Christ for the Nations International. How many know CF&I? Okay, that's awesome that so many know them. That's a, it's a smaller, 1,500 kids, so it's not small, but 1,500 kids doing a two-year Bible track down in Dallas, Texas. And I, it's one of my favorite places. I absolutely love it. And here's the primary reason. We have several Christ for the Nations graduate, which, by the way, I take to be an honor because it's hard for Christ for the Nations graduate to be in a church. And here's why. They do the coolest thing. Two years you're there, you are required to go to chapel. 
You have to go Monday through Friday, noon, and you get, how many absences do you get in a year? It's like two or three. I mean, you do not get out of it. You have to be there. And then what they do is they invite in for usually a week at a time, they invite in the biggest names you've ever heard of in Christianity. I mean, Benny Hinn's and Jack Hayford's and, and every, Billy Graham's and everybody that you could imagine they invite in. And other people that are also excellent, but you don't know. And here's what happens over two years. Being exposed to this camp and how they do things and why they do them. And then this camp and how they do things and why they do them. And this camp and what they do and how they do it. And then this camp and then this camp. And you get a full 360 degrees of what's out there in Christianity and what a Christ the Nations graduate comes out of there with. The Bible learning I know is awesome and everything else, but what they come out of, the number one thing they come out with is discernment. I'm telling you, a Christ for the Nations graduate becomes absolutely excellent at being able to look at something and say, here, the Spirit of the Lord is sharper than a two-edged sword, able to discern between spirit and soul, bone and marrow, right? Very, very close distinctions. And what CF&I graduates can do is they can tell you, well, here's God here, and then here's that person here. And they can get the good stuff that God is trying to bring, and they can also learn and work on and be a part of helping us all to get past some of the worldly, some of the fleshly, some of the other stuff that happens too, okay? Because the truth about Christianity, the truth about us, as we go out and start ministering, as God is taking us from a college level where we have been watching and seeing to now we're going out to a master's level where we're starting to do, here's what I can promise you. If you think there was some things that were wrong in what he did, wait till you try and do it. <laughs> okay? You're just going to make mistakes. You don't mean to. You're trying not to. You really think that you're not. But over time, God will teach you. If you will just stay bent on your knee, if you'll just stay humble in your heart, if you'll just let the Lord show you and lead you and bring you through. This is what we were trying to accomplish last week. I wanted to expose you to something that is out there, and I knew in bringing him in that there would be some wonderful words to people that would make a real difference in their lives, and there were. And that there, were also, there would also be some things that were also learnable, and importantly so. So here's the deal. It's not me that gets to make up what's right and what's wrong. It's the community of Christ together, humbly submitted, praying, working through, understanding. What is God and what is not? And we get better and better when we let stone sharpen stone and iron sharpen iron. Okay? So does everybody know why we did it? And everybody understand what we did and all that kind of stuff? Are we good? Now I'm telling you, the reason why we're posting this as its own, it's part of the sermon, but it'll be its own little thing is, is that a lot of people are gone today. Right? We, women's retreat and all that. And if, if, you, if you're talking to somebody and they have a thought or something like that, please feel free. There'll be a little... It'll be, it won't be the most current one, but it'll be one behind that. And there'll be a little, what is it, what has it been? I guess 10 minutes, sorry. But there'll be a little 10-minute section that you can send them. And then, here's the deal. That's not the end of the conversation. That was meant to be the beginning of a conversation. The beginning of a dialogue. The beginning of a process. So if you have something more to say, if you have more to work through, call me. Work through it. I've talked with a whole lot of people. And you know what? Good stuff has happened. That's what we were trying to do. Get us to a place to where we're engaging this stuff so that we start growing in it. Does that sound good? Does that sound right and reasonable and how a church ought to act? Because that's how we're acting. Okay? 
So with that in mind, I'm going to ask Philip Britton, whose wife, by the way, these guys are newer to the church, and his wife is at the retreat, and she's become a huge hit because I, Julie had two or three stories about her and about how cool she is and how much fun she is and all that kind of stuff. So Philip, would you stand up? Would you just do me a favor? Pray for the Lord that we get it right. These things that he's trying to teach us, that we enter into them in fullness, and then lift up another church too, and if you could pray for the sermon, that'd be nice. Lord, we just thank you so much for the opportunity to come together. And Lord, we just we, we bend our hearts and we bend our knees to your lordship and your kingship and your will in our lives. Father, go, and uh, we know that you've been with the women all weekend as they're at the retreat. Father, as they wrap up, we pray that you would just uh, continue to move. Amen. Bring them home safely. Amen. And, uh, Father, while we're here, we pray that you would uh, stretch your hand out and touch our hearts in a new way. Amen. That you would cause us to understand in a new, deeper way the things that you have for us. Lord, that you would speak through Kurt in a new way, that we would be receptive, discerning. Lord, that you would continue to give us wisdom and courage to act on it. Thank you, Jesus. And Lord, we lift up the folks over at Eastside Foursquare as they're doing their thing, we lift and ask that you would just stretch out your hand on that body and thank that you, you would continue Lord. to work your way there. Amen. We thank you for all that you're doing in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 I love that. The courage to do something about it. That's where we're going today. Okay? I want to say something because it's what the Bible says, and that is don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Now, we've heard this. Be doers, not just hearers. We've heard that before, right? But I want you to catch this last phrase on it. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourselves. Okay? It is common in academic circles, of which I have traveled a lot. And in academic circles, it is common for this thought to be in there. They don't really tell it to people because they feel like people can't handle it, which is, again, oh my God, I hate that. But, but here's what they do. They say, doubt is a really important part of faith. That's a very common thought in academic circles. And that's why I'm not an academic. Because what they're doing is they've cloistered themselves in an ivory tower, and they're talking amongst themselves, and they're hearers and talkers only. They're the people at, in Corinthians at Mars Hill that said, that's interesting, come and talk to us tomorrow. And Paul said, really, that's how you're going to handle it? I'm out of here. Okay? He left. Okay, because what he was saying was, is, is you know, this is not about, as, he's, as we've looked at over and over, I didn't come to you with eloquent words of man's wisdom. I came to a demonstration of power. I, I have to say something. I never, ever doubt the existence of God. And it is not because my faith is so strong. It's because my evidence is overwhelming. The things that I have stepped out and done in the Lord have been so clearly him and not me in so many ways that is simply unexplainable. As, and I think I'm a fairly reasonable fellow. I know we're all biased in our own ways, but I think I'm a fairly reasonable fellow, and I gotta tell you, I don't have any doubt whatsoever in the existence of God. It's why I can stand up here in such boldness and authority and say the things that I do the way that I do. I do not doubt it whatsoever because I've stepped out. Because I'm not just a hearer, I'm a doer. And it was in the doing that I really discovered. 
And it's those who don't do that end up thinking they know and are actually deceived. In fact, the way Jesus says this is this. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them, see that? Puts them into practice, acts on them, will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. Then when bad stuff happens, when the rain falls, the floods come, the winds blow and beat on that house, it will not fall because it's been founded on the rock. Now what's the rock ultimately? Jesus. And it is founded on, deeply rooted in, drilled into Christ because of what you did. And then when the hard stuff comes, you don't fall. But if you're a hearer only, everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain falls, the flood comes, the wind blows, beats against that house, and it falls. And listen, great is the fall of it. Okay? It's in the day that you really need it that you want it. And what God is trying to do in these days is get us to where we're able to handle what the day is that's to come. Does that make sense? This is what he's trying to do in us. He's trying to get us so rooted and grounded into Christ that when really hard things happen that are hard for people to explain because they had this image of nice, comfortable, tolerant God, and all of a sudden it turns out that he's also something much more than that. And life is something much different than they thought. The Christian that is grounded in Christ is the one who can bring hope because he's taking you through these things. You know that he's real. You know what he does. And then you minister that, right? So there you go. That's what God is trying to do. He's trying to build us on the rock. But he said right here, the only way you can do it is you have to, at some point in time, graduate from college, watching and learning, and get into the master's program where you're doing. You have to do that, period, okay? James says it, Jesus says it. There's a tick, and I can totally ignore it, but I'm just wondering if there's a way to get it out. I don't know if anybody else even hears it. It might, it might just be a monitor, a clip or something up here. Okay, so in order to just get us home on this, can I just take a quick second here? It's more of a guy's weekend. I know that women are here, and I'm loving you, and you're, you're good, and everything else, but can I just do a guy thing to sort of bring home this point of needing to do it? There's this thing that I like to do, not everybody in here has done it, but it's called skiing. See? Now, skiing is something, I'm a ski bum. At heart, I'm a ski bum. I think I'm a Christian most deeply, I hope, but somewhere right close to that is I'm also a skier. I believe powder is in heaven. I gotta believe that. Okay. So, but the point is, is you see the physics of it. And you can study the physics of skiing, can't you? I mean, this is a very simple illustration of it, but you ought to see what the Olympic guys go through. You ought to see the kinds of things that they're doing. I mean, this is very, very, very advanced stuff about ski cuts and, and leg strengths and angles and all kinds of stuff that they're doing in order to help these racers carve out that. You know, I mean, a ski race is one by a tenth of a second. There's so much I could go into. I'm not going to do that. Okay. So the point is, is you, understanding the physics of skiing is important, right? So you can study the physics of skiing. But that's not going to really get you there, right? That's not going to make you a skier studying the physics. You can do something else, by the way, okay? God made us to have these mirror neurons, and mirror neurons are when we see somebody doing something, our brains interpret it to a degree as us doing it. The more you've done it, the more your mirror neurons will kick in. But even for somebody who's never skied before, you can watch this clip. Uh-oh, what happened? Really need you to... Help me out. Okay. Did our, did our projector go out? 
Just give me one second. Let's just see if we can't fix it. And if we can't, I can move on without it, I think. It looks to me like it says no signal. You see what happened? I don't, I don't think the problem is with the computer, and I see you guys doing computer up here. I think the problem is that we don't have a signal anymore. That make sense? See how it's clicking on the right-hand side? What's that? I'm gonna, I'm gonna go ahead and move on. Can I, should I or should I wait? Somebody back there telling me what to do. All right, okay. So the, the image that I was gonna show you was a video of a GoPro. You know what GoPros are? They put them on the helmets. And then you've seen them before, I think, you know what I mean? And you're on the internet and you're on Facebook or something and you see some cool thing and there's a guy. And the thing is, is when you see somebody dropping into powder and doing the movement of powder and when you see that stuff happening, you get that, don't you? You, you can feel it. Even if you've never skied, if you can ski, boy, you really get it. You can feel it. But there's this thing that God gave us, mirror neurons, to be able to image that and to, and to get that in your mind and so on. And frankly, that helps a lot. Okay, it, no, a, a little test was done. They, they took some guys that had never shot a basketball before. They had half of them watch, no, no, they had the whole group watch somebody shoot free throws. And then they took half of the group who had never shot a free throw before and they had them go to sleep. And they took the other half of the group and they had them uh, actually go out and practice shooting baskets. And then I think it was like two, three hours later, what they did was, is that they woke the one guys up, and then they went out and shot free throws. And guess which group was better at sh shooting free throws? The ones that had seen it, but hadn't done it. But they'd let their minds work on it. So there's this incredible ability that we have to learn a lot from watching other people do things, right? And you can even get to a simulator, you know, something that would put you even more so in that, to where you could even move body and, you know, you could move your body a little bit on what it is to ski and so on. Are we getting it back? Thank you. I'd love to show you the simulation. Do we have it? Because I, I want to show you. Okay. Okay, go ahead. Okay, now that, that's mirror neurons. Okay, that's point of view. And I'm sorry, but even though I'm, I'm just going to stick with it because that just brings me such joy. Oh, my gosh. That is heaven, by the way. That's exactly what it looks like. Okay? Now, you see him dumping a little speed right there so that he can, whoop, boom. Okay. Now, isn't that cool? Right? Now, you can watch that over and over and over again, and it would actually make you better at it if you ever tried it. Right? But you could do a simulation type thing, and this is not a simulation type thing, but come on, it's Microsoft and Connect and everything else. So I gotta, you got to see this. Okay, so you could even do something like this. Look, there's the skier. <laughs> there's just something that's so perfect about that. <laughs> it's not about playing the sport anymore. It's about making the machine play the sport, and we just do a little part, okay? All right. So anyway, anyway, the bottom line is, is you can do all of this kind of stuff actually get to where you could actually ski better. You really could. But here's the truth about skiing as it is with so many things in life, not all. But in so many things in life, here's the truth. The only way that you can ever actually learn what skiing is and get better at it, get good at it, is if you strap on the skis on the top of a hill and point them down. That's it. And anybody who's ever done that for the first time knows it's a scary proposition. 
And anybody who's done that a hundred times knows it's a glorious result. Okay? You gotta point them downhill. And then you go back and study the physics, and then you go back and study the word, and then you go back and study Christ. But now that you've been out there in the field ministering, you know what these things mean now. They don't mean something abstract anymore where you think you know where they fit. You know exactly what they are. When I went to seminary, I got so much more out of seminary than all those kids that had gone right from college into graduate school. And that wasn't just me saying it. They said it too. And the reason why was because I had already spent years ministering. And then I went to seminary. And now when I was learning theological concepts, they weren't abstractions about ideas about God for some tests that I wanted to get an A on. I knew exactly the ministry settings in which this trinity or predestination and free will or all of these concepts fit into. I knew exactly where you would minister those things. And so these were life-giving things to me that I wanted to learn in order to be able to do better when I was ministering to people, right? Because here's the point, see? What God is doing is he's trying to say, we think that Christianity is this, and we have some imagination about what it could be. But here's the deal. Here's what God's doing. He starts us off real slow. He puts the skis on our feet. He points us downhill. He has us jump. Look, she almost fell. Nice recovery. See that? That's just perfect. I love the instant replay. Okay? And then you see, now the next time she goes over that jump, she's going to know you got to go into the jump. You can't sit back. The jump will throw you back, and that'll put you on your butt. Okay? So she's going to know i got to get into i got to be with the jump. i got to be on top of the thing. See that? So she's learning something. But here's the deal. God takes you to there, and then he takes you to the next place, and then he takes you to the next place, and then he takes you to the next place, and then he takes you to the next place. And all of a sudden, you're doing things that you never even imagined you might even want to do. You're starting to learn how to fly. That's what God wants us to do. He has so much more for us than we ever, I love this one. Look at how he's just laying out there. Look at that. He's just, he's just, now watch this. Sticks it going backwards. I mean, that's just crazy. That's unbelievable. And it isn't even remotely close to the things that God has for you and me. And, and if you want to go out there and it's your first time go off a jump like that, you're going to kill yourself. Okay? But God gracefully and gently takes us a step and a step and a step and a step to where actually at some point in time, even though it's still a little freaky, you're going to go off a jump like that and think that this is the next thing I need to do. And then you're going to have a little problem a couple of times, and all of a sudden one time you're going to stick it, and now you're going to know what that thing is, and then God's going to take you somewhere else. Now that's Christianity. That's why it isn't about classes to discipleship. That's why it's not about lessons and, 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 and you know, principles and all this kind of stuff. Christianity is a learned religion that has to be done in order to be learned, period. Christianity is a journey and a walk with Christ where he's taking us into ever deeper things. And this is precisely what we looked at two weeks ago, and I'm doing a greatly edited version of what we did two weeks ago because two weeks ago we were looking at one part of it, and now we're looking at another but here's the point. These are the scriptures we were looking at. Now the Lord chose 72 other disciples and sent them ahead in pairs to all the towns and places he planned to visit. These were his instructions to them. Listen, this is, he's talking to his disciples, but when we read Luke, we understand he's talking to us too. Because the same way he discipled the disciples, he's discipling us. The Lord now chose 72 other disciples. Oh, sorry, these were his instructions. The harvest is great, but the workers are few. 
God, in Jesus' holy and precious name, bring this sermon home to us. I want you to understand that the Lord is saying to Lake Sam right now, the harvest is great, but the people willing to go out and do something about it are few. Not that our hearts aren't there, but the average Christian, one out of 10 Christians will ever lead anybody to Christ in their lifetime. One out of 10, okay? And what he's saying is, so pray to the Lord who's in charge of the harvest, ask him to send more workers into his fields, okay? I'm going to help you out right now, right? Because you're not so sure because it's scary and you're standing on top of the hill and, you know, it is kind of downhill, right? And, and all, so I want you to do something right now. It's going to help you out, okay? I want you to do just what Jesus said. I want you to pray that he would send workers into the field. So do that right now. Just say, Lord, send workers into the field, okay? And then I want you to turn to the person on your right or your left and say, I just prayed for you to go out into the field. <laughs> You see it? <laughs> All right. Now somebody prayed for you to go too, so you know, hey. <laughs> but this is Isaiah seeing the glory of the Lord come into the temple and his train filling the temple. And the Lord says, who will go? And Isaiah's response was, here am I, Lord, send me. And God, I am asking you to make Lake Sam a body of believers that say, here am I, send me. And also pray for my family and my friends and my coworkers and my neighbors that they would also be raised up to be sent out by you. God, send more into the field. These are important, critical days. In Jesus' holy and precious name, send us, Lord. Send us in Jesus' name. So there's the point, right? This is it. And so it goes on. He says, look, he says, you're going to be sent out as lambs amongst wolves. And he said, you know what? Do yourself a favor. Don't take any money with you because you're going to see how I provide for you. And that's going to give you more confidence that when you need to step out in faith, you're going to know how much I'm with you. See that? So he helps us out by saying, don't take any money. Let me provide for you. Let me show you what I can do. Okay? Francis Chan said, this is a phenomenal sermon at... Uh, um, IHOP, International House of Prayer, in Kansas City in this big thing. And Francis Chan was talking, and I almost ran the whole clip instead of talk today, but I felt like I was supposed to hit on something else. But Francis Chan was saying something, and what he said was, as he said, um, sorry, I lost my train of thought. I'm going to get it back. But, okay, ah, forget it, okay? He tells them, Boy, it was a good sermon. Uh, anyway, <laughs> sorry. What he does is he comes to him and he says, look, when you go into a town, if they receive you, heal the sick, but then do something. This is the thing I've been telling you is the new season. It's not just heal, it's tell, communicate. So heal the sick and tell them the reason why you got healed is because of the kingdom of God. The kingdom is near. You see it? So what he's saying is heal the sick, tell them the kingdom of God is near you now. Now watch this. Here's what he says. If they don't receive you, go into the streets and say, we wipe even the dust of our town from your feet to show that we've abandoned you to your fate and know this. 
the kingdom of God is near. You see, they're saying it to both communities. So here's my point. You're going to a friend, a coworker, a neighbor, a family member. Are they going to reject you sometimes? Absolutely. Do you have to be a, a bad person about it? Do you have to be obnoxious? I had another word in my head. Thank you, God, for a good filter today. Okay? You have to be a thing about it, right? You, you know, you can be okay with that. They're going to reject you. That's okay. But the thing that he's asking us to do, and this is the key to what I think is happening right now. I think the Lord has asked his church to become much more vocal and demonstrative about him. Not to get up in someone's grill in an unloving way. But he's asking us to pursue and to understand how important this is and to be those who we can use to do that and to speak words into their life even if they don't like what you're saying and not to do it again in, a, in, a, in an obnoxious fashion but to communicate it. I think the Lord is really asking us to get to a place to where we're becoming something different. Much more salt, much more light. He goes into right now, the next little section is the one that we really hit hard last time. Because what we hit was this idea. Woe to the villages that don't receive you, that you have to wipe the feet. Because it's going to be worse for them than it was Sodom and Gomorrah. And here's the point. He was talking to Jewish people who had been in that land for 1,000 years as a nation. 1,000 years. Five times longer than America's been a country. In fact, the Jewish people have been in that land for 1,400 years. In fact, it was the Jewish people that God had chosen and the land that God has chosen. And so he put them in that land. And so I want you to understand, again and afresh today, because it's important for today too, I want you to understand that there was not one Jewish person who Jesus said the words to when he said, woe to you, Bethsaida, woe to you, Chorazon, and woe to you. It's going to be worse for you than it was them. There's not one person that was sitting in that crowd that knew that within 40 years, within one generation, a nation that had been there for a thousand years and a people that had been there for 1,400 would no longer be there. It would be like me coming to you and saying, in 40 years there will be no America. You and Americans won't be here anymore. Other people will be. That's what happened. Now that's inconceivable, isn't it? And yet, start conceiving. Start understanding that God does this. Here's the point. I'm not saying that the end is here, and I'm not saying that we're not going to be a nation in 40 years. What I am saying is that there are things are coming that we do not know anything about, and that if we don't learn how to become simply obedient, we will not be his instruments to accomplish what he wants to accomplish. And then, when people fall, it'll be on you. People that you love. Family members, friends, coworkers, neighbors people that he was asking and trying to send you to, and we had other ideas about how things should work. And we weren't simply obedient, and we didn't get there. Do you see how important this is? I mean, this is a, I'm going to get to it in even more depth, but I just want you to, to have the heart of this passage in it. Look, what he's saying is, ultimately, anyone who accepts your message is accepting me. It's about bringing people to Christ. Anyone who rejects you is rejecting me. Anyone who rejects me is rejecting God who sent me. See? He's making it about Christ. Now, they go out, 
and they come back, and look how it is. The 72 return, and they joyfully report it to him. Do you still hear it? Look, at, look, listen, read it the way that it is. Read it. He sent out the 12 before, so they had some understanding of it. But now he sent 72 people out, and they had no idea. They'd seen him do it, but they'd never done it themselves. And now they're coming back and going, I just went skiing, and it worked, and it was awesome. Do you see it? They just can't wait to tell. They joyfully report, Lord, even the demons obey us when we use your name. And he told them, look, I get it. I saw Satan falling from heaven like lightning. Look, I've given you authority over the enemy. I've given you authority over all things. Said it a hundred times, cannot say it enough. The, the, the second biggest problem, the biggest one being that we really don't know who God is. The second biggest problem is we don't know who we are. We do not understand the authority that has been given us and we are not walking in it. And I'm telling you, and I presented to you last time, and I asked you to do it in an email and everything else, discern the season. Is this a season where God is going to move through us in more authority? Is it or not? Because if it is, then step out and give it a shot. And if it isn't, step out and give it a shot. But I'm hoping that understanding that it is will give you more of a sense of the need for this to do that. And now the Francis Chan things come back to me because what he said was, is he said, every time that I go out and pray and I, I stop my church and he's, he, if you ever seen him talk in the, at the beginning of the time, he'll bend down and he'll pray and he'll say, God, your will be done. And he said, so I'm sitting there with my daughter going to preach at this big, big event that was happening. Or actually, my daughter was leading worship and I was going to preach. And he said, I'm sitting there, and I got my knees bent, and I'm praying to God, and I'm just so excited about my daughter leading worship, and this is so cool. And I'm praying to God, oh, God, move. Don't let it just be another set of words. Don't let it just be another sermon. God, move and do the things that you do. And then he said, I went to a place to where I started saying, oh, God, it's just not right. There's so many times that I'm saying things, and you don't show up. You don't do what you could do in these moments. And he's saying, I don't understand that, and I don't like it, and God, I want you to move, and God, move, and I don't understand why you're not moving. And then, and then he said, why don't you move like you did with Stephen when he saw Jesus right before he died? Like you did, and, and then he went through this list of people. Why don't you move like that? And then God said to him, because, Francis, you're at a Christian concert, you know? Now, understand, it, it, it makes sense, did it? Did it? Because what he was saying was, as he said, he said, I was asking God to move, and I was using people who were about to die. And God showed up and did miraculous things. And he said, those are people that were at the end. Those are people that were at a place of a tremendous need. He said, you're at a Christian concert. You want me to do something? And then he didn't say it, but this is, he was at IHOP, so understand. But what he was going into is he was telling the IHOP people, be more discerning. IHOP's awesome. You know, that's a 24-7 prayer thing. IHOP is awesome. But it can have its things too. And the fact is, is what he was trying to tell them was, is, is do understand that God isn't into just showing off. He's not just going to do the show to do the show. The reason, the reason why I move when things are critical is because things are critical. The reason why I'm not moving here is because it's not critical. And you guys want something me to do. You want me to be the seal with the little ball on my nose and balance the ball. For what? Do you see it? Now understand something here. What God is trying to do is to take us out of the safe places 
and into the real places. This is real too. But he's trying to take us into places where there is need that he knows that you don't in a person's life, and it is critical. And he wants to move through you to touch them. And to his enormous credit, Francis Chan stepped down from a very, very large church and started one in San Francisco, or what they do is, in one apartment complex, they'll have like four different or five different churches. And by churches, they mean apartments. And what they will do is they're building communities in what's called the, the uh, Tenderloin. Thank you very much. In the Tenderloin District, which is one of the worst districts in San Francisco. The poverty and hardship and heartbreak and horrible things happening. And what they're doing is, I think they're up to, does anybody know what they're up to now? Is it 100 or 200 churches that are, they call them churches, but they're in these apartment buildings all over the Tenderloin. And what they're trying to do is literally change the Tenderloin of Florida time. See? Now that's a place where God's going to be moving. You see it? Because exactly what Jesus says here is this. Don't rejoice because evil spirits don't rejoice. Don't rejoice because some miracle happened through you. That's good. It's good to be thankful to the Lord for that. But that's not where we should be getting our joy. The way we should be getting our joy is Christ. Your name is written in the book. You're an instrument of mine. You're eternally with me. It's not about the signs and the wonders. That's to help somebody else come to the Lord. Okay? And rejoice when they come to the Lord. It is, it is awesome. It is flying high off of one of those jumps. But in the end, you personally don't get caught up in that. Get caught up in me. Because I'll keep taking you down all kinds of paths. And then he says this. And I, this is where we're ending this part of it. I love this. Listen, read it. Read it and hear it. At that same time, Jesus was filled with the joy of the Holy Spirit. Can I just stop right there? Do you see what happened? Jesus is talking. They've come back and they've said things and he's said things and they've gone. And now all of a sudden, it's like Jesus gets a revelation from the Holy Spirit. See it? He gets a moment. And he is like, that is so cool. <laughs> because what he says is, is Oh, Father of heaven and earth, thank you for hiding these things from those who think themselves wise and clever and for revealing them to the childlike. Yes, Father, it pleased you to do it this way. The child who will simply look up and have everything. Did anybody see the Facebook post that I put up about my daughter, Shalimar? Can I just raise your hands? Not that many, but it was so cute. She's just this little, what, how old was she at that time? Does anybody know? Maybe... She still had a diaper on, so it had to be like two or so. But she, there's the draft horses. Draft horses' hooves are the size that she was as a human being. The draft horses' hooves are huge, and they scare me to this day. And Shalimar, who loves horses, loved them her whole life, she's got this little diaper on, and she's just reaching up with both hands as hard as she can just to touch the horse and the horses. This magnificent beast is reaching down to her and letting her touch him. This is who we are when we're childlike. We're just reaching up for everything that you have. I don't care what it is. I'm not gonna care about my reputation. I'm not gonna care about me. And Jesus is saying, thanks God. <laughs> thanks God for not making it one of those other things. Thanks God for making it for people who will just reach up with everything they've got. Right? I hope you're already getting a deep sense of how important this is. 
when, Je- when James is saying, and when Jesus said, as we looked at in Matthew 7, don't just listen to God's word, you must do what it says, otherwise you're only fooling yourselves. When James is saying that, I, I want us to do something here. I want us to understand that God is saying that to us right now. Make sure that you're not just a hearer. Make certain of it. And in order to help you, we're going to do something. Now, the guys in this room got an email from me. If you did not get the email, please send us in your contact information. We're very careful about not spamming, but I sent an email out to the guys. Girls, I'm so happy. Women, I'm so happy that you're here. This is awesome. This is all for you. But would you just give me the grace to talk as a guy to guys for one second? Because I think that something happened that's important to relate to particularly the guys. Two weeks ago, when God gave me what to say, ultimately, out of those verses that I just read to you, I felt like the Lord wanted me to get to this challenge that I'm about to give to the men, this thing that we're about to do. And what happened was, is when I was writing the sermon, it became very clear to me that the Lord was saying, not today. And do this other thing, get onto this other thing about what the day is like and make sure that people are discerning what the day and the season is so that they can get that. And so I did that. And that's what I did. And I thought, okay, then there's going to be Herb. And then on the first today, I'm going to do that. And then I went, this is truly, honestly, this is one of the most important things that will ever happen in this church. It's very arguable it's the most important thing that will ever happen. Us going out and actually doing Can you think of anything more important? There probably is something, and I don't mean to come against the know-it-all. There probably is something about loving him properly and so on, but the two go so hand-in-hand that it's very hard to divorce them. The way to come to love God is to move out and come to know him more deeply and so on. But you get the drift. I think think we're standing at a critical time here, and I think what the Lord was saying was, I want you to slow down and not do it in one message. I want you to do it over a period of time so that people really do get it in their hearts how important what I'm saying is. So I said to the Lord this week, looking at this sermon, I said to the Lord, I can't do it on this week. A whole bunch of women are gone, and that means a whole bunch of husbands are going to be gone, and that means, you know, there's going to be not that many people here. Now, thank you for coming today, okay? But there are a lot of people missing. And I went to the Lord, and I just kind of went, this is not the right day to do this. And here's what the Lord said back to me. I can tell you right where I was sitting. I hope the people don't mind. It's right on the street, but it's a rock. And view crest. And I was sitting there, and I felt like the Lord said, I'm the one that did this. I'm the one that wanted the men to be here. And it to be for the men this time. Not men first as in men better. Men first as in men need something different than women need. Because, you see, women are already out doing a lot of this stuff. They really are. In fact, there's a bit of a tendency in guys, not all guys by any means, we're being generalized, right? But there's a bit of a tendency in guys, particularly as you get older as a couple, to think something like this. My wife is the one that really pursues God in a whole lot of different things. I'm the one that has to do some other things in terms of income and so on and all of that kind of stuff. So I help my wife be spiritual for the both of us by doing what I do. Now I gotta tell you, I love the generation that's getting married right now. And that's why, but I love them in part because they're the most Aryan generation that I've ever seen. On racial things, on ethnic things, on, on class differences, on 
male and female gender roles. You do realize there are male and gender, there are male and female gender roles. Do we all understand that there are some? But do we all understand that we've added a lot to that and there's been cultural norms? I keep dropping out. Am I, do I need to do something different? I'll stand. But, but on gender norms, you understand that a lot of the gender norms that we have are culturally derived and not biblically? And I love these, this generation that's getting married today because they really think of each person as an individual. A unique individual before the Lord with their own challenges, their own gifts, their own strengths, their own issues, their own stuff, and they're just helping each other. Now, I do want to say, many of us felt that way when we were younger too, and when you get older, things happen, right? And things start to settle into something. But I hope that they're going to break through some cultural norms that do not belong. And I think that they will. I think a lot of that's going to happen. But there is an issue, isn't there? It's even found biblically. I've, gone, I've done a sermon on how many women are mentioned in the Bible. The only biblical, the only religious text in the world, by the way, that, that takes much mention of all. The, the Quran mentions one woman two times, Mary, the mother of Jesus, and that's it. The Bible is filled with stories of women and mentions of women and commendations to women and thanks to women and all kinds of stuff. And we all know that the old sort of stereotype, it's not as true today, thank God, but the old sort of stereotype is, is that women are the ones that do most of the stuff at church. And guys are sort of holding back a little bit. And that's the stereotype. And stereotypes are bad because they're generalized and they're good because they do show us some truths. And here's what I think God is trying to do right now. Men, I want you to listen to this. What I felt him say was, I want you to challenge the men. Now let me, let me say that word again. I want you to challenge the men. Here's what's funny about guys. It happens in women too, but testosterone in guys is a funny thing. When a man gets challenged with something, there's something in him that rises up. Right? It can be take off the gloves and slap you across the face. And that makes you want to do what? Smack them. Right? That's what a guy wants to do. I'm not saying any, uh, no, there's no women in here that want to do that too, but I'm telling you, testosterone is a funny thing. Those of us who have to live with it can say amen to that. Amen. And God uses it. And in times of war, and in times of challenge, and in times of adversity, and so on, when men are challenged, they can rise to the challenge. And I want you to understand the nature of this challenge. This is not a slap across the face from God, as in get your act together and start doing something, guys. It's not that at all. It's God saying to you specifically today, in an intimate way, I have an opportunity for you to fly. I have an opportunity for you to enter into something that you do not even know exists, and I am challenging you to try. I think that's a word from the Lord. It's on you now to discern whether it is or not. Okay? If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. Even if I'm wrong, who cares? It's a pretty good thing to do anyway. But I want to challenge you to really discern whether or not I'm right. Because if I'm right, there's something that the Lord is saying that does come to a be careful not to reject him. Do you see it? I don't think that that's, God's not, well, you get it, all right? Now what we're going to do in order to help you is, is I want you to do something. Yeah.
Here's what I'm asking you to do. Men and women, this next week, one week, seven days, I want you to look intently for something that the Lord would bring to you that was a ministry opportunity to somebody. How do you know if it's a ministry opportunity? If you're looking intently, something's going to happen, and your gut is going to kind of flip. Splunk needs some eye. Your gut is going to kind of go, oh, there's something to that. There's an empathy. There's something that happens in me when I see that person. Now watch. Guys, here's what we are. We're Mr. Fix-its. So when we see something that has a need, and we think we're supposed to do something about it, we go over there, we listen to what they have to say, and then we tell them how to fix it. Now, I am asking you to help it be fixed, but here's what I am asking you to do. When you're going over there to start ministering to them, do not ask and do not be saying to yourself, what can I do to help that person? I want you to be doing this. What can God do to help that person? Do you see it? As you're going over to minister to them, I'm asking you to have that image in your mind. The Holy Spirit coming down upon you to move through you to do what only he can do. Now, it may look like something you could have done, but if you're letting him do it, it's him that's doing it. Not that you're not going to add your little stuff to it and try not to do that. But do you see what I'm doing? I want you to have in your mind, as you go out to do this, I want you to have in your mind this thought. I, don't, I do not want to do what I know how to do. I want you to do what you want to do, whatever that is. I want you to minister through me. Have that image in your mind to do that. Okay, that's number one. Are we good with that? Okay. Number two, what I've done is, is re please reach down in your seat trays and pull this out. Please, pick them up, okay? Wave them at me. This is an old Justine trick, okay? Wave them at me if you don't have one, okay? All right, we got it? Thank you for the waving, I love that. It's awesome. We got, nobody ever does what I say. This must be a really good sermon. <laughs> See that? Now, here's what I want you to do. This is my door at my house. This is the door that I walk out of in order to get out. I only got one door out of my condo. That's it. And on that door, I have taped this to it. And you see what it says? Lord, who do you want me to reach out to as I go out? By the way, anybody who's good at English, would you send me how we're supposed to be saying that in proper English? Because I know that that's not proper English, but I can't, I can't wrap my mind around to whom or whatever like that being so awkward that I just hate it. So send me a good, normal English way of saying it that keeps me from dangling the preposition, okay? All right? But Lord, who do you want me to reach out to as I go out? Do you see it? And I want you to, every time that you walk past that in this week, by the way, if you want, pick up two of these, and if you can, stick one in your office. Don't get fired for sticking one of these up in your office. You can, you can put it somewhere else that is private to you. See what I mean? But put it somewhere at your work. Put it somewhere at your house that you see it and you go, yeah, that's right. As I go out, I'm supposed to be looking for who I'm going to minister to this week. Okay? So that's number two. Now here's number three. I'm going to send you an email on Wednesday and on Saturday, and it's going to look basically just like that. I've already sent it to Wanda, and it may get changed, but bottom line, we're going to send it on Wednesday. Actually, let's send it on Friday, just to give it another day. So we'll send it Wednesday, and maybe we'll do Tuesday and Friday. What's better? You help me, okay? But we're going to send two emails to you this week. And here's what I want to do, okay? Can I, can I beg you for something? A reply. I don't care 
if nothing happened? I don't care if your answer is, oh, I don't care, but I'm asking you to please reply. Why? Because I want to learn what's happening as we're doing this. You need to help me help you. We're trying to do something that is critically important, and I am lacking in information. I do not know how this is going to go for everybody. I know what I felt like the Lord has promised me. But what I do know is, is that we've got to get really good at helping people. And so I'm asking you to please reply to this email. There are several questions to help you get started. You can answer those questions or just tell me your story. I don't care. The questions are just to help you. It's not to, not to make you have to answer them. It's just to help you, well, did you, know, did you do it? If not, why not? If you, know, if, you, if you felt like the Lord moved you towards somebody, did you go there? And if you did, what happened? If you didn't, why didn't you go? And just be honest. Because if you be honest with me, I can be really helpful back. See it? And we can go through this as a community. We can go through this as a family as we all start to learn baby step by baby step what it is that God is trying to bring us into. Do you see it? This is the kind of family we are. This is the kind of church we are. It's not okay for me to stand up here and preach a sermon and that be the end of it. Never was okay. It's the reason why we've restructured everything we're doing so that we actually get to where we're a church that's actually experiencing and on the journey with Christ in all things. Okay? We got it? And the reason why I want us to get it, the reason why God wants us to get it is because he wants to teach you how to fly. He wants to have you be in the air 50 feet, 100 feet in the air, and just laying out there relaxing. Because you've gotten this good at that. Do you see it? So we're going to take a minute here. Greg, come on up. We're just going to take, it's only going to be about three minutes. I'm going to, we're going to do something. Here's what I'm asking you to do right now. If you're interested in doing this, then ask God to make sure that this happens in your life and ask him to prep it even now and ask him to make you able to do it and, and willing to do it and not scared in the moment. Pray about it. See ground for the thing that's going to happen. Do you see it? Now, if you're somebody who's sitting here and you're saying, and there are people in here, I love you. This is fine. If you're sitting in here and you're going, I don't want to fly. I'm happy. Let me stay in my seat. I love you, but I'm not going to let you stay in your seat. I'm going to do everything I possibly can, and I can't do anything really, but I'm going to do everything I can to try and get you out of your seat. And what I'm asking you to do, if you're scared to enter into this, I'm asking you to go to the Lord for real and where you are, whatever that is, and just ask him, why am I afraid to do this? See what I'm saying? Get honest with him. What is it that's going on in me that makes me either love this or not like this or whatever it is, but start speaking to me, Lord, because here's the one thing I think we can all agree on, can't we? This really is the Lord. Even if it's not prophetic, and I believe it to be prophetic, but even if it's not prophetic, it's still the Lord, isn't it? It's the Bible. It's the good news. Go and make disciples. That's the commission that you all have. You're being sent. God just has glorious things. So let's embrace. Take a minute, then we're going to take communion, do an offering. We're out of here. I would like everybody to note how early it is. Thank you, God.